0: Welcome to the Huddo Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Huddo, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huttocommunitychurch.org. If you are not aware, uh, there is a small group of us who meet every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock over on that side of the building to pray. Now, while that is an open invitation to you, uh, I just wanted to share with you kind of what happened last week because it directly applies to our message. So uh, what we generally do is we pray for the service, we pray for the kids' ministry, we pray for uh, the needs that we know about within our church that you guys have made known. And then we also kind of go around the table and we simply talk about what's going on in our lives and how we can also pray for one another. And it was interesting to me, because as we went around the table, every single person was asking for wisdom in some area of life. So someone was asking for wisdom and how, um, uh, how to proceed and, and just family dynamics and how things were working. And, and then someone else asked for wisdom about what to do uh, it, with their uh, medical diagnosis that they had. And we went around the table and everybody was asking for wisdom. Now, as your pastor, I'm always thinking about what's next, right? So uh, as last week, I'm already thinking about this week's message. And of course, we're talking about wisdom today as we dive into James chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 5 here in just a minute. Yet we all need wisdom in our lives, every single one of us. We need wisdom for how to rightly parent our children, how to talk to them about the things that are going on in this world. We need wisdom for how to care for an aging parent who maybe is not mentally there uh, completely and has physical and uh, all kinds of emotional dynamics that are going on and and how to deal with with them and do what is best for them. We need wisdom in a world where inflation is crazy is how to handle our finances and and what we're supposed to do with that and how we're going to make it. We need wisdom in literally every area of our life. And now as we talk about this today, we're going to seem like we're going to hit three different subjects here, okay? Because James is just kind of like that. It's almost like he shoots from the hip, but I believe it all ties together, and it especially ties back to what we talked about last week. And if you weren't here, number one, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message on your favorite Facebook, YouTube, or podcast channel. But I just want to tell you, we talked about the battleground of the mind, because all of life is lived right here. And even when we're dealing with physical ailments, the battle is really right here. And we talked about two specific battles that we all face. Number one is trials, just challenges and the tests of life that come to every single one of us. But then we also talked about temptations and the things that uh, really uh, are tempting to our heart to go away from the Lord and to pursue other things. And we talked about how we respond to that. Because really, that's the only thing that we can control in life is our response. It's really our own thought life that we can control. And I can't control that for you. Your spouse can't control that for you. God can't control that for you, though He can encourage you and push you in the right direction. But only you can choose what you think about and how you're going to respond to the trials and the temptations of life. And indeed, when we have trials and temptations, we need wisdom as we proceed and move forward in life as to how we're going to respond. So without further ado, James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously To all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I have to tell you, we're gonna stop right there. When trials come my way, when temptations come my way, when I've got to deal with the hard stuff in life, I don't often stop and ask for wisdom. I wanna ask for grace to get through it, I wanna ask for strength to persevere. And maybe I'm just going to ask that God would just take the situation away. And if it's a really bad situation, I might pray something like David prayed in Psalm 109, where he just says, uh, God, I pray that you would appoint another bad person to come and to kill this bad person. And that you would uh, send all the creditors after him and that his wife would be a widow and his children would be... Okay, you get the point. That was David's prayer in Psalm 109. Now, we don't really want to pray that, right? But sometimes uh, our, our heart gets angry, and, and we kind of go that direction. But what we really need is to ask for wisdom. And wisdom can be defined as a couple of way, different ways. It could be defined as uh, the right use of knowledge, or it could be the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And when we encounter the difficult times in life, we need wisdom as well as that grace and strength and all those other things that we pray about. We need wisdom as to what to do and how we're going to proceed. But not only do we need wisdom for that, and there's something much more important that we need to get. We need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunity that God has given us to grow and to mature. Now, I don't often think about that. I'm thinking about how I can get out of this situation, how I can make this situation less painful. Sometimes I throw the poor, pitiful me saga at God and say, God, why are you doing this to me all over again? But what we really need is wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunity to grow up in our faith. And you'll remember, as we talked about at the beginning of last week's message, that's really the whole theme of James, and while we're going to talk about a lot of different things, that ta- uh, the main thing is that we as believers in Christ, we have to grow up in our faith. And we have to grow up in the way that we think. And we can no longer think like a child, as Paul says, but we've got to think like an adult. And so when hard times come our way, yes, we need wisdom for how we're going to navigate the situation in life. But more importantly, we need wisdom so that we will not waste the opportunity to grow up in our faith. Now, when we come before the Lord and, and we ask for this thing, we need to ask in faith. We need to ask in faith. And, and look at what he says there in verse 5. And, and I just want to kind of walk through this real quick. He says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. Now, let's stop right there for a second. Just to remind you, God is a very generous God. And when his people ask for something, especially for wisdom, especially for wisdom as to how I'm going to grow up and how I'm going to deal with the situation as a believer in Christ and deal with this rightly, he's going to give you that kind of wisdom very, very generously. But look what else he says. He says he gives generously to whom? To all without reproach. Now, before we go any further, there are times in life when we come before the Lord and we just need to hold up the mirror. And, and we just need to do some self-reflection and say, God, it, I, I, I love how that last song started off. Um, Joy, what was it? We've got a... It's humility. Humility was at the forefront of that. We bow our hearts and yeah, there we go. So it's the attitude of humility. It's the posture of humility. It's saying, God, I don't have all the answers. God, I know I'm an imperfect person and I'm going to address the issues that I know about in my life. And if there's anything else that needs to be addressed in my life, I'm going to address that too. Meaning that we can't continue in the same kind of thought process, the same kind of sin over and over and over again and expect that God is going to give us something, particularly wisdom. And so we've got to hold up the mirror and, and we've got to ask in faith. Now go on to verse 6. Then he says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. So there's a couple of things we've got to address. Number one, we've got to address sin in our own hearts But secondly, we have to address our own uh, ability to believe. I think about Peter. Do you remember when Jesus came to the disciples and they were on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples freak out and he says, hey, if you're not, it's me. And Peter's like, if it's you, then tell me to get out of the boat, Lord. And so Peter, uh, Jesus says, well, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat and begins to uh, walk to Jesus But then what happens? He begins to look at the wind and he looks at the waves and all of a sudden he begins to doubt and he begins to sink down into the water. Isn't that like you and me? We gather in our prayer circles. We gather in our small groups. We we can pray huge prayers of faith here at the church. But then we go home and we begin to deal with reality again. Monday morning hits, we step back into our job that one person that we've been praying about, about how we need wisdom to deal with this one person, maybe it's your spouse, I don't know. Um, Things begin to go off again. And all of a sudden, the prayers that we have prayed, we begin to doubt. Say, well, the Lord's not answering it this week. I guess God didn't hear me this time. I've got something wrong with me. God doesn't like me. He doesn't love me. And we begin to do the same thing Peter did. We look at the wind and the waves and we have unbelief in our hearts when we've just prayed valiant prayers of faith. And so church, we've got to make the decision. Again, this goes back to the battle of the mind, right? Because everything the world says is don't believe. God's not as good as you think he is. He's not going to give you that wisdom. He's not going to help you out in this situation. All of those thoughts come flooding in, we've got to push those away and say, no, my God sits on the throne. He is sovereign. He is God of the winds and the wave and he's God of all the other things that are going on in this life. And I believe in him. And when we proceed, we got to look for answers, right? If we're going to ask for wisdom or if we're going to ask for provision or whatever else that we're asking the Lord for, then we've got to keep our eyes open for God to bring that into our lives. Let's just take wisdom since that's the subject at hand. I'm going to ask God for wisdom as to how to proceed in my life. Whatever that means for you, if that is my prayer, then I'm going to make an earnest effort to find that wisdom that God is giving me. It might be through some kind of book that I'm going to read on the subject at hand. It might be that I just take a deeper dive into God's Word, that I spend more time in prayer, that I go out and seek godly mentors. I'm going to be open to all of the avenues through which God speaks so that I can hear from Him. Because if we just walk and say, well, I prayed my prayer. I'm just going to go on about my way. Do you think you're going to hear from the Lord? No, we've got to make an honest effort and be open to the Lord speaking and working and moving in our lives. So we've got to ask and believe what we're asking for. Now, let's move into verse nine here. Let the lowly brother... Boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So, also the rich man will fade away among his pursuits. Okay, now, like I said earlier, it seems like we're going to hit three different subjects here in our reading today this would be number two. Um, And let's just take it at face value first, okay? What is he saying? Let me remind you of what Jesus said. The first will be last, and the last will be first. He's saying that riches will fade. So if you're the poor person, then you might be poor on this earth, and you might be down here, but in the kingdom of God, you're up here. And oh, by the way, if you're poor on this side of heaven, you have no other hope but God. So it's real easy for you to have a very strong faith because God is the only one who can ever come through for you. But if you are the rich in this life, which by the way, living in America, in our society, I know we have financial struggles. I know that we are battling inflation. We are all on the rich side of this scale here. Okay, let's be very clear about that. He says, let him rejoice in his humiliation. What? I thought if you made more money, if you had money, then that was better in life. Remember, the first will be last, and the last will be first. And essentially what James is saying, and he's going to talk to the rich a whole lot throughout this whole book. He's saying, humble yourself and rely on the Lord only, because riches will fade. Let's be honest here. At the end of our lives, Whatever we have in our bank account is going to go to somebody else. Somebody else is going to drive your car. Somebody else is going to live in your house, and they're going to change the paint color, and they're going to redecorate it, and they're going to do all the things that you hate. But it's going to be theirs. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll pass some of that on to your kids. But somebody else is going to have it. It might even be Uncle Sam. And we just need to get used to that. That money has no value when it comes to the kingdom of God because God has all the money he needs we can't do anything. Uh, money does nothing for God. How many of you have watched the Thirty for Thirty series? You remember the episode called Broke? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, let me just explain. So, in two thousand and nine, Sports Illustrated did an article, and uh, they ended up making a documentary on this. And, and what that article said was that sixty percent of NBA players who make millions upon millions of dollars, within five years of retirement, they are broke. 78% of NFL players, two years after they were done playing, they had declared bankruptcy or were in great financial distress. Riches fade. They go, go off and they fly away like the wind. So how in the world Does this relate to wisdom? Well, I think a couple of ways. Number one, what rich people tend to do when hard times come is try to do either a couple of things, you buy your way out of whatever situation you're in, or just invent money, right? Because that's what rich people do. I mean, mortgages did not exist until the 1930s and that is an invention of money. You think about payday loans, think about credit cards, you think about, I mean, uh, cryptocurrency, for crying out loud. Like, we're just inventing ways of, of uh, so that we can make more money. Now, the tendency is for us to rely on that and not to rely on the Lord. So when he's talking about wisdom, rather than looking to ourselves and putting trust in ourselves, or putting trust in money, or comfort, or all the other things that money can buy, we need to put our trust in the Lord. Put our trust in the Lord. Because we can, again, tendency that we're going to pray and we're going to have faith when we're all gathered together, but when reality hits, we go back to trusting in ourselves or to trusting in our money. So James is saying, let us take a humble posture before the Lord and just lay everything at his feet and say, God, I am 110% yours, and I will 110% rely on you and you alone. Put your trust in the Lord. It's not about your material resources. That's not going to grow you. That's not going to mature you. It's about your spiritual resources. So may we invest in our spiritual resources and grow before the Lord. Now, I want us to skip down all the way to verse 16 here. Subject number, seemingly subject number three here. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Personally, I think one of the greatest tricks the enemy tries to play on us is to think that God does not really love us and He does not really care for us. So it's unbelief not unbelief that not the kind of unbelief that we don't believe in our salvation not the kind of unbelief that we uh, don't think that god exists it's the kind of unbelief that just says god's not as good as he said he is that we if he can just put a little bit of doubt in our minds and we begin to go back up to what we just talked about and put our trust back in ourselves or our own things and this is what happened with eve in the garden of eden they're walking around they've got this uh, they're living their best life, Adam and Eve, right? They get to walk every evening with the Lord, and everything is perfect. They care for the animals, they work the garden, no big deal. Along comes the serpent. He says, Hey, Eve, have you tried this fruit over here on this tree? Oh, it's really good. Oh, no, 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 no. The Lord said, We're not to touch that one. That one we're not gonna, we're not gonna eat. He said, What? God? God told you not to eat that one? Oh, listen, God's holding out on you. This is. Number one, this is the best fruit in the garden. You need to have this one. But here's the deal. When you eat of this fruit, here's what God didn't tell you because he doesn't really love you. He doesn't really want what's best for you. You'll be like God and your eyes will be opened. Die? No, you're not going to die. I promise you. It'll be okay. Eve. You just take a bite. I'm telling you, God's holding out on you. Isn't that what the enemy does to you and to me? When trials come, when temptations come, the, the thought enters our mind, well, God doesn't really know what he's talking about. God doesn't really know what is best for me. If God knew what was best for me, then he would have answered my prayer over here. But he didn't answer my prayer over here, so God must not really care. He doesn't really love me. He might be good, but he's not as good as what the Bible said he, says he is. And we begin to have this seed of unbelief that begins to take root in our heart. And we begin to trust in ourselves rather than in the goodness of God. And so we look for fulfillment in other things. We look for it in people. We look for it in our jobs. And we can confidently live outside the boundaries that God has set for us but we, because we say, and we believe what the world says, that a full life is really over here. And God has said, no, it's really over here. And once we start to doubt God's goodness, we're attracted to Satan's offers. It's what happened to Israel over and over again. Moses gave them the Ten Commandments. And we read in the book of Judges that they rebel against the Lord. They doubt His goodness. They doubt His ways. They look at the other people around them. They worship other gods. They go after other things. And then what happens? The people attack them and they own them and so they cry out to the Lord and then the Lord delivers them and they worship Him and then time goes by and they start that process all over again, not unlike you and me because we doubt the goodness of God that He really knows what is best for us. But let me tell you, God knows what is best for you and He loves you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine and His ways are always best. And I just want to run through a few things today about the goodness of God just to remind you that, that number one, God is a generous God. Isn't that what we said back in in verse 5? That He will give to us generously, to, to all who ask without reproach. God is a generous God, and He will pour blessing upon blessing on you if you will simply seek after Him and His kingdom and keep your eye on Jesus. Number two, God gives only good gifts. Nothing that is evil is from God. He gives only good gifts. Look at back at verse 17, right? Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Number three, the way God gives is good. It means every act of His giving is good. Number four, He gives constantly. Again, verse 17, the little phrase... Coming down. It's a present participle, meaning that it it is happening now and will continue to happen into the future. That God is always giving and will not stop giving to you and to me. And number five, God does not change. He doesn't change. He never has and he never will. So he can't be any worse because he is holy and he can't be any better because he is already perfect. God does not change. And church, as as a final warning to you and to me about God's goodness, I just remind you about what King David did. You remember it was springtime, and he was supposed to be off fighting with the army. Instead, he was at his palace, strolling around in the cool of the evening and casting his gaze where it did not belong. And of course, you know the story of David and Bathsheba, and he calls for Bathsheba to come to the palace, and he sleeps with her, and she ends up getting pregnant. And again, you know the story here, uh, making it short that he ends up having her husband Uriah murdered. He thinks he gets away with it. Things are going to be good. It's going to be okay. Nobody has to know about this. Brings Bathsheba into the palace. And then God sends Nathan the prophet. And in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, he's, he begins to tell David a story about a rich man who stole a poor man's lamb so that he could feed it to his friends when he came. When they came into town, and David is outraged over this. And then in verse 7, it says, Nathan said to David, you are this man. And this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. I anointed you as king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, and your master's wives into your arms, and I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And then get this. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You you see, David forgot about the goodness of God. And he believed the lie of the enemy that God had withheld from him. And it cost him dearly. And so, church family, what I want us to know is that while Satan looks like he's going to throw us some great bargains. they are going to be good deals. He doesn't ever give any good gifts. And we always end up paying very dearly for the things that we run after. But God is good. And if you have need, if you have lack in your life, then call out to God who will provide and who will be generous towards you. He is full of grace and full of mercy. He is our heavenly Father. May we always remember His goodness. If you lack wisdom in your life, all you need to do is ask. If you lack guidance, all you need to do is ask, and God will meet you in that place. We ask in faith. We do not put our trust in ourselves, and we remember that God is always good. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.